This morning we're going to be opening our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And then if you want to put a finger in Matthew chapter 18, I'll be reading from both of those before I have you seated. Starting in Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed. Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14, has this same parable of the lost sheep, but it has a couple, couple things uh, in this, these verses that um, I wanted to include that the Luke one did not. So let's go ahead and read the story in Matthew 18. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it, over the 99 that didn't wander away. I liked this last verse here. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of the little ones should perish. Would you pray with me before we sit down? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for the presence, God, that has already met us in this place in our prayer and our worship and offering this morning. God, we just pray that you continue, Lord, to reach our hearts, for our ears to be open, Lord, to your word this morning. Help me to bring it, Lord, and help us all to receive it, Jesus. There's not a one of us, Lord, this morning that does not need more of you, just like we sang this morning. We praise your name this morning and ask, Lord, for you to bless it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. So I want to ask a question this morning, followed by a story. Has anyone ever lost anything that has been precious to you? Maybe it was a favorite childhood toy, you know, the, the, um, that famous age we all go through where if our favorite blankie or toy is lost, the parents have already bought an Amazon two-day shipped five other ones so that when that one is lost, the meltdown in tantrum is shorter, <laughs> shortened, and, uh, and the child does not feel like they have really lost it. But maybe some of us have lost a favorite thing at some point. Uh, maybe it was something that was handed down to you, like a air, family heirloom. You know, I'm talking about precious things, not things that you're like, well, you know, that's all right, I can go to Goodwill, you know. I'm talking about precious things. Um, maybe something that was given to you that was from a someone special in your life. Misplaced that at one time. 
Maybe it, you know, something that has a special memory attached to it. Or, or like money. Anybody lost those big bills? Not sure what happens, fell out the pocket, or perhaps a child found it in your drawer or something. Um, but, you know, money has value. To lose money, that's like, you know. Or maybe some of you have lost a child before. Anybody ever done that? I'm just trying to feel better before I dive into my story. Anybody, can anybody admit they've lost a child? Marcus, I know you were, where's Marcus? I know you were lost once. Yes, he was lost by the man who pastors the church. Oh, oh, St oh, the pastor. Stephen was lost when he was five years old. Oh, I'm feeling better now. Obviously, he was found, so. Um, so I'm going to jump into a precious thing that Arash and I lost a couple years ago. Her name is Juliet. You know, Juliet's always been a active, curious, uh, escape, what do I call her, my little escape artist. And uh, so this was a couple years ago, actually June would have been two years. We were visiting friends, we went up to Boston, visiting our friends. They have a beautiful, historical, older home in Boston on a big plot of land that has no neighbors. All you see from their house basically is grass and woods. And then there's a little uh, creek, I guess it would be called, that runs down into a large river. So, you know, that's a beautiful piece of land to live on. It, we were excited to be there. We were excited to spend some time in their house. You know, they've got, these days, houses are built at, with open concepts. So you don't have the little rooms and the little closets and the little nooks and crannies that houses used to be made with. So they have one of those houses with all the little rooms and all the little nooks and crannies. So we had gone to visit them and one evening we were, she, our, our friends, are, they're a husband-wife couple and they have two girls. One is uh, six years old and one is about two years old. And then there was Juliet who was two years old. So the six-year-old loves to play mommy, you know, little mother hen. I'll take care, I'll watch the girls. I'll watch. So my friend Rachel and I were in her, her little kitchen. You know, you can't see anything out from the kitchen, which is why moms go in there, because um, we can hide. <laughs> and we're making dinner, just taking our time. The kids are fine, and Arash and, and Tim, her husband, were in their, their other, you know, through a, a little room and then another little room. They were in their little room, having their man talk, whatever. And everyone was happy, fine, and dandy. I have no idea how much time went by, but little Elspeth comes in, and you know, the chili's cooking, and she's like, dee -dee 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 -dee, you know, playing herself. And I look around, and I don't see a little Juliet behind her. And I, you know, I know my daughter, okay. So I said, oh, Elspeth, where's, where does, did you know where Juliet is? Is she out there? Is she playing? And you know, there were two playrooms and a playroom upstairs, you know, all the, and she said, oh, I, I don't know. And she just goes back to playing with her little stuffed animals in her hand. And I thought, this is not good. So then I thought, all right, well, let me stick my head out and look into some of these rooms. 
I don't see Juliet. Oh, is she playing in that playroom? No, is she playing in that playroom? No. Do I hear her upstairs, you know, tinkering around? No. So then I thought, oh, surely she must be with the Russian Tim. You know, Juliet has always loved attention. And so I thought, oh, I bet they're like, you know, playing around with her, roughhousing. So I just calmly walk into the living area where they, the guys were, and I said, uh, I don't see Juliet. Has Juliet been in here? Have you seen her lately? And they're both like, huh? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your conversation. I'm only having a heart attack right now. You know, and so I said, oh, okay, so have you seen them lately? Oh, I don't know. Okay, all right. So then I thought, all right, Meg, don't panic, because I'd only been looking for her for just a couple of minutes. So then I come back out, and Rachel is cooking, and, and I said, um, Rachel, I, I'm not sure where Juliet is right now. And it was, it was starting to, you know, set into dusk. You know, dusk was setting. So it wasn't, like, dark outside, but it was starting to get dark outside. And remember, they live on a huge plot of land that borders nothing with people. And um, so I said, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not sure where she is. I'm starting to kind of, you know, she's kind of a little escape artist. I think we need to start looking for her. And so Rachel was like, oh, sure. I mean, she's got two curious girls as well, you know, who, oh, sure. I'm sure she's around, Mag, sure. Elspeth, and she starts checking in with Elspeth. And Elspeth's like, I haven't seen her. And I was like, oh, yeah, this, wow. So then I go into the room and I said, all right, Arash, Tim, you guys look downstairs, or no, upstairs. I said, I'll look one more time downstairs and then we need to start heading outside. Again, I have, I mean, we started cooking dinner and you know what happens when uh, two friends start cooking dinner and they can, they've escaped into the kitchen. I think we had been cooking dinner for like an hour. I mean, it had just been a long time. So I had no idea how long Juliet had had to wander wherever she wanted to go. And she's fast. You guys ever notice that? She's fast. Strangers stop me and say, please tell me you'll get her into cross country when she's in high school. They seriously do, because she's so fast. So <laughs> in the plate, whoosh, and I, I can't ever answer because I'm you know, chasing after her. So, um, so we start looking around, and Arash says, I don't see her upstairs. And I say, well, Arash, you know, this house has lots of she can go under something. What if something's fallen on her? Like, even if you can't hear her, you need to start looking, open all the closets, because she loves to, Juliet's always loved to hide, too, which is really great, because when, when you say, Juliet, Juliet, where are you? She will not answer you, because she loves to hide. So she, you know, she really makes this whole parenting thing difficult. Um, not difficult, challenging. How's that? I'm up to the challenge, though. And so Arash is saying, no, I'm not, I'm not seeing her upstairs. And I'm like, well, we need to start moving outside because it's starting to get dark. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's had all this time to run towards the creek, which we had already taken a walk down to. So she knew, you know, she, at least she knew how to get down there. And then I thought, well, what if she's run the other way? Eventually you hit the main road. And I mean, where could she be? So we start going outside and we're calling her name and everybody's starting to look. And lo and behold, <laughs> they, had, they have a bunch of like little play structures and swing sets and everything kind of all over their yard because it's expansive. And they have like a chicken coop and stuff. So I'm going in the chicken coop and nope, nope, you know, I know she can't be a chicken, so that's, you know, she's not there. And then I go and I, they actually even had a well in their backyard too, but that was 
boarded, so I knew if she tried to get down in it, she couldn't go very far. There was a flat piece. But still, you know, you start thinking like all the horrible things. And here we are running all over the yard, and I just happened to go into one of the, those little playhouses, the plastic ones people have outside. And there she is, just playing away quietly, you know, safe and sound. So it ended well, but that certainly was, you know, one of the scariest things I've ever experienced. Now, she's run off on me before this, but because I know her, the instant I don't see her, I just start looking, and I always look for groups of people because she tends to run to people because she loves attention. But this time, you know, we were cooking away I don't know how long, and not realizing where she was. So this time was the time that I thought, oh Lord, if something bad can happen, it's going to be this time around. So that was one of the scariest things that I have ever, ever uh, experienced. And if anyone's ever been in my shoes, the parents who have lost their children, you know that drastic emotional switch from oh my goodness, it's something bad, where is she? I'm desperate to find her, to, whoo, she is okay. I mean, I think I served her like tons of ice cream that night. I think I was just like, whatever you want, because you're here, I'm here to, you know, you're here and I can feed you, and I didn't think I would have that tonight, you know. So, um, so you know, if, and if you've been lost before, if maybe you were the child or even an adult, in a busy place, another country, and you've been lost, and everything familiar, you know, nothing familiar to you is near you, you know what I'm talking about too, that, that swing on the inside when you're looking for your group or party, and then you find them. Um, so I think it's safe to assume that anyone else here would have responded in the same fashion that Arash and I did, um, that in that moment when we realized Juliet might be lost, nothing was more important uh, than to find her. No task, you know, the dinner, go ahead, let it burn. You know, go ahead, leave the playroom messy. Um, we all dropped everything to go look for her. So nothing in that moment was more important. And because I can't imagine anyone here would say this morning, oh, no, no, I wouldn't have worried about that. Oh, oh, she'll find her way back, Mag. Oh, she would have found her way back. You didn't have to worry so much. Don't do that to yourself. You know, I can't imagine that would have been anybody's response or that was your response if you had lost something precious to you. Uh, you know, oh, no big deal. I doubt anybody would have said that or responded that way this morning because when something valuable has been lost, uh, has been lost it consumes our attention you know, in that moment especially, and these grand efforts are made for it to be found. So now I'd like to return our attention back to the main text that we read earlier in Luke chapter 15, when Jesus uses the parable of the lost sheep, um, along with the two subsequent parables in the chapter 15, there's two more that followed that one that we did not read, the lost coin, the prodigal son, those are familiar to most of us. Um, and Jesus is demonstrating his deep love and concern for the lost, for sinners. And equally, his deep desire 
that no one should perish. That's why I liked that Matthew verse. His, Jesus' desire that none perish, but that all will find Jesus Christ. All will be found in Jesus Christ. And in the first few verses of chapter 15, Jesus is responding to the complaints of the group of Jewish leaders who were kind of the holier-than-thou group, the Pharisees, who were complaining that he was spending his time among sinners and doing things like sharing meals. Um, and sinners were not people that the Pharisees felt deserved their time and attention. And they questioned why Jesus gave them his time and attention. So Jesus uses these parables, these stories, um, with an intended lesson. That's a, a parable, that's what a parable is, to challenge them to recognize that were it their own sheep, that they would have responded and their behavior would have undoubtedly been the same as Jesus's, had it been their own sheep that was lost. They'd want to find their lost sheep if they were the owner, and they would rejoice when they did. Because sheep were commodities and they were valuable to their owners, and Jesus's point is, no one would just ignore the fact that their sheep had gone missing. Just like today, no one would have ignored the fact if something precious to you was lost. Um, so Jesus is clearly trying to make his point there with the Pharisees, that the role of a shepherd is to find the lost sheep, even just one. Amen? So the confusion and the problem that the Pharisees were having with Jesus' words and actions, interacting with the sinners and the tax collectors, was that Jesus was sounding a lot like God. Because he is God. And the Pharisees were familiar, though, with an Old Testament passage. While they're listening to Jesus use this shepherd, flock, sheep uh, parable, they're probably calling up in their minds this Old Testament passage that I'm going to read in just a minute here in Ezekiel. And we know in the Psalms, God's, uh, uh, the psalmist writes, the Lord is my shepherd. So anyone at this time familiar with Old Testament passages would, be making these, would have been making these connections. And uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, God uses the shepherd flock language like Jesus is to describe his relationship with his people in Ezekiel chapter 34, 11 through 16. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. This is out of Ezekiel. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they've scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their land, own land of Israel from among the people and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There will they lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who've strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. If I were to read the entirety of chapter 34 out of Ezekiel, 
God promises that he will be the faithful shepherd to his people because the verses that we read, verses 11 through 16, they sit in the context of God's sadness and anger over what he calls the unfaithful shepherds, those that have not cared for their flocks with care and concern and protection like he does. So God is opposed to those unfaithful shepherds. He promises to seek the sheep that have gone astray as a result. And God has always, always desired that none would be lost, amen? But that all would find life through him. And without a doubt, God proclaims that he is the faithful and the perfect shepherd of Israel. Coming back into our New Testament passage, this is how Jesus, using the parable of the lost sheep, sounded to the Pharisees. He sounded like this shepherd. He sounded like the shepherd, capital T, capital H. God speaking in Ezekiel verse 16 said, I will search for my lost ones who've strayed away and will bring them safely home again. And that sounded a lot like Jesus in this Lucan passage in verse 4 when Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? These verses, they sound familiar. I'm sorry, they sound very similar. And the Pharisees recognized that. But what they did not recognize was that they were sitting in the company of their good shepherd. And elsewhere in scripture, Jesus reveals himself as this good shepherd. Most notably in John chapter 10, this is probably familiar to a lot of us sitting here today. I just wanna read a couple verses from John chapter 10, where Jesus again is describing this relationship, the relationship of the shepherd to his sheep and flock. Verse 11 through 15, Jesus speaking says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock, and the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Just like the unfaithful shepherds in the Ezekiel passage, but Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Again, we read Jesus using the Old Testament language uh, to reveal himself as that shepherd and to describe his role as the shepherd, capital T, capital S, who faithfully and continually seeks the lost sheep that he loves so much that we just read in John, he laid down his life for us. That scripture, uh, there's that other scripture in, in um, the Bible that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. What made the Pharisees so uncomfortable with Jesus' teaching was how close Jesus desired to be 
and how close he was, actually was. They said, you eat with them even, to sinners, this group that they just felt doesn't deserve, they, they don't deserve that attention and time. And that's, that's what made them uncomfortable. And this whole notion that a shepherd would leave the 99 safe and healthy ones to find the one that was lost. The Pharisees just didn't get that. Yes, Jesus is the shepherd of the 99, and today he's still the shepherd of the 99. Amen? But God desires to be the shepherd of the one. And that's what I'm titling this sermon this morning. His word makes it clear that the role of the shepherd is to search for the lost sheep. And as we all know, Jesus does all things perfectly. Jesus says it another way in scripture when he said that he came not for the healthy. The healthy don't need attention. The healthy don't need a doctor. The healthy don't need that. He came for the sick, for the sinners that knew they needed a savior. And whether or not today uh, it's up to us whether or how we respond to the Good Shepherd in our lives today. I believe, church, that this morning we're in the company and in the presence of the Good Shepherd. Does anybody believe that this morning? Amen. I know, I know so many of us do today. We recognize that. Um, and he is the perfect and faithful one. And I hope that that does not make us uncomfortable this morning like it did the Pharisees. But that we can praise God this morning for desiring to be so near to us. As our good shepherd, let it be a reminder of the care and concern that we read in the passages today, in the Old Testament and in the New, that our shepherd has for his flock. Amen? I just, I wonder if we can take a moment right now just to rejoice in that. Thank you, Jesus, for the love and the care and concern this morning that you have, Lord, for each and every one of us this morning. Each of us, Lord, representing a sheep in your flock. God, your ability to minister to the group of us corporate, but also, Lord, in your sovereignty, your ability to minister to each and every one of us where we are, Lord. We thank you for that, God. We rejoice in that, God, that those that need you this morning, Lord, have come to a place where they can be found. Jesus, Jesus, because at one point, Lord, we were each one of those lost sheep. And we thank you, Lord, for your spirit that has made us found by your grace, Lord, and your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I read a few places online that uh, when sheep go astray, real sheep. <laughs> this was a blog from someone who lived in New Zealand, so I thought it was probably true. Um, you know, in New Zealand, there's a lot of, lot of sheep there. They know their stuff. And so um, I had read that when sheep go astray and wander from the herd, unlike other animals, like cats and dogs, sheep do not have this homing, this homing instinct. So 
If they wander from the flock or somehow get separated, they do not have the ability to orient themselves or maybe it's a memory thing, I'm not sure. They don't have the ability to get back home. You know, cats and dogs, well, my dogs never found their way home, but we had to go find them. But you know, most dogs, I guess, have the ability. We know cats often, indoor, outdoor cats, they'll go out, owners don't worry about them. Oh, they've been gone all day, they'll come back tonight. But sheep apparently don't have this instinct. And so without their shepherd searching for them and finding them, they will wander, totally disoriented. And I thought that was interesting because we see that shepherd flock language so much through the scriptures um, and Jesus identifying himself and revealing himself as the shepherd and his people as the flock. In our text, it also, Jesus also said, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who have righteous and who have not strayed. This morning, there must be a recognition for some of us this morning that we are lost. In order that we're found. We are like the sheep, and some of us must recognize that first, first, we're lost. Jesus says, if one lost sinner repents and turns to God, that fulfills his will and desire more than anything. Amen? I believe that's that what scripture is trying to get across. There's no shame in being lost, because guess what? The good shepherd is searching for you. And if you'll turn to him, amen, praise, that's all right, you can praise him. If we'll turn to him this morning, in that recognition, there is only good things in store. Amen. There must be a recognition that we are in need of our good shepherd. And just as we've read all over the scriptures, from the Old Testament to the New, Jesus is our perfect shepherd who's ready and able to restore us to him. Amen. At one point or another, all of us was that one sheep, the one that was wandering and lost and in need of our shepherd to find us. The role of that shepherd is to seek and to find the lost sheep, and our role as his sheep is to recognize that need for the shepherd in our lives. Jesus Christ is our good and faithful shepherd, and our shepherd this morning, and thank God, is not absent, and he's not distracted. He is present here with us. He's not lacking this morning. Uh, he's here seeking those of us who have gone astray. And unless we recognize that need for the shepherd in our lives, like a lost sheep, we will wander lost without our shepherd. We need that shepherd in our lives. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Me too. If I could have the music come. So my story about losing my daughter, Juliet, but then finding her safe this morning, I'm sorry, finding her safe, not this morning, that would have been two years. Um, it gives us just a taste, that feeling. If you were identifying at all with that story and thinking of one on your own, 
oh, I remember when, I remember how I felt. That's just a taste of the desire that God has to seek his lost sheep and that his lost sheep will seek him and return to him. And the, 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 the joy that comes when that lost sheep is found, the joy that came whew, when I saw Juliet playing in that playhouse and she wasn't down running towards the river or towards the street, that joy is just a taste of how heaven rejoices over a lost sheep coming home. So how can we respond this morning to our shepherd? As I open up the altars for all to come and seek our shepherd this morning, how can we respond? The act of repentance, we believe here, and scripture tells us, is an acknowledgement that I am lost. The act of being baptized this morning, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus this morning, we have baptismal waters, and that act of water baptism is a recognition that yes, I'm lost and I need to be found by my good shepherd this morning. If you're seeking the Holy Spirit this morning, that act is recognition that I am lost and I am in need of my shepherd this morning. And church, if you're not the one today, if you happen to be in the 99, the herd that's safe and sound, the one that Jesus was able to leave or the shepherd is able to leave for the moment to find the one, if you're in that group today, I ask that you find a place to just simply rejoice in the fact that our good shepherd is reaching for the one this morning. Can we all take a moment to pray and just believe, and, and I have confidence, and I know you do too, in the fact and in Jesus this morning, that he's going to be able to reach the one that needs him this morning. Jesus, we're so thankful for your spirit today, God. Thank you for your word that never comes back void. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us today, God, that you are our good shepherd, Lord, and that you are a shepherd that can do the job and the role of a shepherd perfectly. Lord, for the hearts that are turning to you this, this morning, God, for the hearts that are maybe returning to you this morning, God, we thank you, Lord, for welcoming them with open arms. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to, to repent, to repent, Lord, and the ability, Lord, to just pray and seek you, God, and know that you will accept us and welcome us back. Thank you, Jesus for your role of the Good Shepherd in the church. God, for those of us who find ourselves safely among the flock this morning, we are thankful for the Good Shepherd who at one time reached for us and found us so that we could find ourselves in the 99 rather than wandering lost. We praise you this morning, God. We love you this morning, God. We wanna recognize what the Pharisees failed to recognize which is we are in the company and in the presence of the Good Shepherd. You are mighty, Lord. You are worthy, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.